Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Uh, my sermon title this morning, you may have seen that in the bulletin, is Dealing with Distractions. Dealing with Distractions. Hey, during the Middle Ages, a brutal method of torture involved securing a person's limbs to four horses. Yeah, you heard that right. And then setting those horses free, and that is a practice known as, listen, as distraction. It was made up by the French. It's hard to believe, but this was a reality. Just think about that for a second. All four of your limbs are tied to a different horse, four horses, and just let the horses go. That's what distraction means. This is a grim image, and it serves a striking metaphor for the chaotic state of our lives, right? Because we're distracted. We're all distracted. Have you ever experienced the sensation of being figuratively torn apart? I bet you have. I bet you have. We say things like, man, I'm just being torn apart. I'm being ripped in all different directions. And I know that's not, not literally, but we feel that way. I think many of us do. I know that I do as a pastor, and I'm sure that you experience it as well. And perhaps you're being torn apart right now. This message is going to really serve you. In his famous work, If I Were the Devil, the esteemed Paul Harvey penned the following words. There's a piece of it. If I were the devil, I would keep you busy. I would get you to be so distracted and disattracted with the gospel that no longer would your prayers be about holiness and souls. If I were the devil, right? So here is why I need you to listen this morning. If we are going to live productive spiritual lives, we must learn to deal with distractions because we're going to get them. Amen? We're going to get them. And God's word is the authority on how we can live with distractions and ultimately overcome those distractions that are holding us back. Please stand now for the reading of the word of God. Again, Luke 10, chapter 10, 38 through 42. The words will be on the screen. Here's what God's word says. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Say, help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Moses has chosen, not Moses, Mary. Now that is blasphemy. I mean, that's not blasphemy. That's just getting it wrong, right? Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So reads God's holy and inerrant word. You may be seated. So I want to give you some context for this passage. I think it will help as I set up the text this morning. So Jesus and his disciples, they're marching their way toward Jerusalem. Of course, uh, when they reach Jerusalem, uh, it will be the final week of Jesus's life. Did you know that? When they actually get there, 
going to be the final week of Jesus' life. This week will culminate with his crucifixion and his resurrection. However, on the way to Jerusalem, the author, Luke, wants us to know that Jesus and the boys, his disciples, are going to make a, they're going to make a pit stop, and that pit stop's going to be at the home of Mary and Martha. Their home was geographically, geographically located in a village called Bethany, in a village called Bethany. Now, Bethany is just over the Mount of Olives, two miles east of Jerusalem. You may recall that Mary and Martha are sisters, and you may also recall that they have a brother named Lazarus, the same one that Jesus rose from, that Jesus, he rose him from the dead. Each of them, this is important, each of them, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they are devoted followers of Jesus. They're Christians, right? We learn this from John 11, where we also learn that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus heard Jesus preach the word of the kingdom. They believed that word, and now they were serving him. They loved him devotedly. So again, they are followers of Christ. So with that in view, let's go back to verse 38. Let me go read to about 40, and let's see if it starts to make a little bit more sense to us. Again, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, so let's, the disciples and, and their crew here, as they, as, they, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, before we pick apart Martha, as we typically do with this passage, and we praise Mary, can I just again remind you for the second or third time that both of these sisters, both of these sisters, they both love Jesus, okay? It's not necessarily a, a, a contrast, it's a comparative analysis, right? They both love Jesus, yet the text says that Martha was distracted, but I think it's important for us to understand what she was distracted doing, right? She was serving. She was serving. That's what she was doing. She was showing Jesus outrageous hospitality. I mean, not good hospitality, outrageous hospitality. And in doing so, she was living out Paul's command in Romans 12, 13 before he even thought of it. What does Romans 12, 13 say? God's people are too, and again, Romans 12, 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I've been in many of your homes, and many of you, are, you provide outrageous hospitality. And Martha had the gift of hospitality, and she used this gift to serve Jesus and to serve others. She wanted Jesus, her master, her Lord, to take a load off, to kick up his, his feet and relax. She wanted this to be a safe place. Come, relax, get rest, right? She wanted Jesus to enjoy a good dinner. She was focused on Jesus' comfort. That's what she's doing. There was much preparation to get things just right, perhaps even perfect. She wanted to get it right, perhaps even perfect. Can anybody relate to Martha? Yeah. But the text says that Martha was, in fact, distracted. The original language for the word distracted means to be pulled away or dragged away. I gave you the illustration or the example of that horse, right? So that's what distracted means, to be pulled away or dragged away. 
the implication here is that Martha wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus as Mary did. However, she was pulled away by her duties. Has that not happened to each and every one of us, right? The intention's right. She wants to get there, but she's unable to get there. I'm sure Martha caught bits and pieces of what Jesus was saying, uh, but I like what uh, Kent Hughes says, and he kind of puts us in the scene here. I want to read this to you. I think it's insightful. He says, the burden of the beautiful meal kept dragging her back into the kitchen. How she wanted to be at Jesus' feet, but she told herself true devotion is practical and that she must put her duty before her desires. She got it wrong, but can we agree the motives, at least at this point, were in the right place? She was heading in the right direction. How many times have we been heading in the right direction and we just ended up in the wrong direction, right? So Martha became distracted from what was really important by the necessary tasks of attending to Jesus's human needs. So we see that in the text. So as, as Martha was in the kitchen working, Martha was sitting. But where was she sitting? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And as the, it unfolds, Martha is not happy. I would even say this, Martha's ticked off. <laughs> Have you ever started off in a great mood and things are going good and all of a sudden, before you know it, you're ticked off? Right, we all have, right? She's angry at Mary for being so selfish, at least in her mind. Like, just imagine what, just imagine the pots and pans clanging and the, and the eye, you know? And, um, but she's angry for, for, for Mary being so selfish. And as we know, when we get angry, let me say that again, when we get angry, say we, we start thinking crazy, say we, and then we start acting all crazy, don't we? So we got to be careful not to walk out of here and say, yeah, that Martha. No, we want to say, yeah, I could see myself here. I could see how we get here. Again, look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Clearly, Martha is what we would call a type A personality. If you're type A, just say, here, God help you. I'm one of you. I know the pain that you've caused your family. You see, a type A person will say, you'll always know where you stand with me. Isn't that right, Miss Faye? Mm-hmm. They think you're perfect here. I know you ain't perfect. You're close. I'm standing with you, Miss Faye. Remember, insecure people like to make fun of others. <laughs> but she had a type A personality. And you do know where you stand with someone that has a type A personality. Martha was direct. She was blunt and not afraid to speak with her mind. And this would be, unfortunately, even though Jesus is here, she's still speaking her mind. Martha and her self-righteous anger rebukes Jesus, the very one whom she's preparing the meal for. 
lie. Just like that, our sweet Martha. You, if, you, if you knew her, I don't know, or I have read about her, right? I wasn't around back then. How about you? Oh, Rabbi was around. Ron was around back then. <laughs> if you don't know Ron, if you're new here, Ron just turned 174. Just kidding. I'm only kidding. Ron Gallerain, if you know him, is our care pastor here at Lakeshore. We, he's my best friend. He's my friend, so we kind of jive each other a little bit. But Martha went from welcoming Jesus as her guest to blaming him for not caring about her. From welcoming to saying, you don't even care about me. You don't even care that I'm in this kitchen alone. Do you not even care? Right? Notice the assumption here. Hey, Jesus, if you really did care, you wouldn't be talking right now. You would be you, 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 would just, you wouldn't be letting this go. You'd be doing things like Frank Sinatra, my way, right? My way. Martha was so offended by her sister Mary that she even refuses to address her directly, but asks that she became frustrated with Jesus. Just like that. It's easy, church. It's easy for us to be distracted from God when we think we're ministering to him. We must remember that when our service to God affects our relationship with God and our fellowship with other believers, Houston, we have got a problem. How do we know we're in error when we start off with that servant's heart, at least contextually, and we end up all cray-cray? Because things aren't going right, right? Things aren't going right. Distractions, though, listen, they tell us a story. Distractions tell us what we love. Distractions tell us what we trust. And listen, distractions tell us what we fear. What we fear. Distractions tell us a story about our own hearts, our own souls. So Jesus refuses to, re she refuse, he refuses to rebuke Mary for sitting at the feet and worshiping him. Let's look exactly what Jesus says in 41 and 42. Let's just look at the exact, precise words of Jesus' response to all of this. 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. One thing? No, many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Church, when the Lord addresses a person by calling them by their name twice, as he does here with Martha, it is, in fact, a word of warning, but it is being given to her in love. There's a tone of He is rebuking her gently. We must not miss that. This shows us the compassion of Jesus. Even when we or she loses our minds. Jesus, listen, 
Jesus is not mad at Martha. Jesus is concerned for Martha. Big difference. Some of us think Jesus is mad at me. No, he's not. He's concerned for you. We must repent. But he's concerned. Why is he concerned? Because here's what she Here's what you do. Cloud priorities out of order. Lost sight of the Jesus said, again, you pretend like he's saying, Pastor Rod, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing, what is this? This is a turning point. What does this mean? The one necessary, the one thing is that, is that what Mary must choose, right? It's the wrong way. There's this one thing, and she's and, and she's choosing wrong. It, it doesn't. They're both doing good things. In this moment, in someone is choosing wrongly. They're not in their right. They're clearly not prayed. Up. They're not ready to the feet of Jesus and listen. That someone here thinks it's better to be busy and do all these. At the sometimes people because all you like let me tell you a story true story uh, let me pick on my my grandbaby uh, Haven uh, but I say this in love sweetheart if you cry don't do it here do it out there okay <laughs> so my wife has this uh, this practice that she does on a daily basis it's called uh, spending time with Jesus have you heard of it it's this chair and here in our book, ads and pens, she sits down every read the word of God. She is there sometimes what for like hours. And every once in a while, heaven will say to me, Papa, how longer is she going to be with Jesus? <laughs> and she's dead. And I'll tell you what, I say, I probably shouldn't say this, but the past the same because she goes in come out on with my day now I didn't sometimes it's spending time with Jesus but you ever notice that there's some seasons in our life where we need to spend more time with Jesus so if we've got this pattern daytimer people full focus planner people planner you're using, it might say on yours, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, 5 minutes. Where we just need to sit at the feet of Jesus for just a little longer. That's doing the right thing. It's what you do. When you spend, are we wisely to get when we sit? That prayer. This come 
before you. Would you help me to deal what looks like a kingdom before me so that I can be t- tried and tested out like one of your God, would you do such things for me? I wonder if God such that he would. To be And Martha. Imitate me. Devotion and diligence. But that's not what Jesus said here. Not confused. He rebukes Martha, and because she was consumed with, she. And that is the crux of the message here. She wasn't leaning in to the most important thing. God is worthy of our worship. Nothing, not even serving Him, should should distract us from loving Him. Let me say that again. God is worthy of our worship. Nothing, serving Him, should distract us from loving Him. Him. How do we love him? By sitting at his reading and doing what he tells us to do. Devotion to Jesus is and always should be our ultimate that we must of us pay attention to lives, those lives, what's most important in your life, where your calendar or your daily ritual will tell that story, will your wallet, how do you spend your time, your talent, and your treasure, your money, tell you what you prioritize. The Lord is saying we, we need to take spiritual inventory to get distracted by the second which in this case keep us from sitting at the feet of Jesus and to hear what he wants to teach us. 3:13 through 14 the apostle Paul confesses brother I do not consider that I have made it my own but one thing I do one thing one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus just one thing one thing 42 but one thing is necessary Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Let me explain that. What is that one thing in this text that's necessary? What is the good portion that will not be taken away from her? What is Jesus saying here? Here's the answer. Listening to the Word of God. This is, listen, this is the highest priority for those of us 
who are in Christ. Listen to what I said, if you're in Christ already. The highest priority is to sit under the Word of God, to be reading the Word of God, to spend time in His Word, to sit at the feet of Jesus, is to read His Word. Jesus informs Mary that the Word that I speak, even in this very moment, Mary, as I disciple you, this time will never, ever be taken from you, ever. My Word will not return void. Everything she learns today, everything, we, everything when we sit at his feet, we hear the word, it's not going to be taken away. The word is indeed a lamp unto our feet. One author said that Jesus provides wisdom and warning for all who are serving in various callings. It is all too common and all too easy for our service to Christ to drag us away from his word. We're distracted. Ironic as it might be, this author says, this is an epidemic amongst believers. Even those in key positions within the church. Martha needed to stop worrying about what others were not doing and make sure that she is doing what is most important. Beloved, rather than asking ourselves this question, how can I get more done? The busiest person that I have ever seen in my life is a mother with kids running around. I literally do not know how you do it. I hear it's Jesus, but... It's amazing to watch some of you younger moms. But, but moms, dads, all of us here, no matter our age, let's stop asking how can I get more things done. Let us consider, am I getting the right things done? Am I getting the right things done? I'm discipling right now in this church uh, four men. One of the things I tell every man that I disciple when they say, they usually ask the same question. This is one of the questions they typically ask. Hey, uh, Pastor, uh, I know you say I should be on my word every day. Uh, where should I be reading? I said, well, every book's a good book. Well, let's start in 1 John. Here's the good thing about 1 John. You can read it every day or listen to it every day in about 16 minutes. How do I know it? It's actually 16 minutes and 32 seconds if you go online. Every day, you can listen to the Word of God and listen to 1 John in 16 minutes and 32 seconds. And then I say, when you get done with that, do it again. You're like, do it for the next 30 days. Let's keep talking about it. Let's get you into a rhythm of reading or listening to the Word of God. If we are going to deal with distractions in a way that honors the Lord, we need to get clear on whose opinion matters, and that would be the Lord's. We need to learn what He has to say, and we're only going to learn that through the Word of God, right? What we have just learned from this text is that distractions grow out of a messed up heart. Distractions and busyness, uh, distractions and busyness come from being out of fellowship with Jesus. 
You can be in church every week and still be out of fellowship with Jesus. So he's saying, sit at his feet. Let him speak to you through the word so that we can understand what he wants. And by doing so, it will break our captivity to distraction. One author said, Mary, Martha did not realize that at a, I want you to hear this. This is so good. And, and it just really just, it just begins to just sum up. It starts to sum up the text. Let me read it. Martha did not realize that at this, Christ, at this critical time in Jesus's life, he would have preferred her company over her service, and that he regarded her fellowship with him as more important than serving him a meal. Her sense of priorities were skewed. Given where Jesus was on the road to Jerusalem, some things were more important than a good meal. But Martha was so sure that she was doing what, was, what Christ most needed and wanted. She was sure of it. And we are like that. Martha attempted to force Mary to serve Christ her way. She wanted Mary, she wanted Mary to come away from Jesus' feet and get into the kitchen because in her estimation, what she was doing was more important. This attitude, if it goes unchecked, can destroy the inner soul of our service. Martha's self-appointed responsibilities distracted her from what mattered most, and so it is with us. The self-imposed necessities of ministries smother us, and serving will become a drudgery. So says the Word of God. Lean into this. Never let your service become the goal. Focus on loving Him through your service to others. A tragic incident unfolded in the Florida Everglades. You may be familiar with this. A plane was carrying holiday travelers from New York to Miami. The plane encountered a distressing situation as it prepared for the landing. The crucial light that should have indicated the proper deployment of the landing gear failed to illuminate. With the concern growing, this aircraft entered a holding pattern, and this airplane began to circle over the swamps below while the cockpit, while the cockpit crew assessed the situation. The crew was diligently examining whether the landing gear had failed to deploy or if the bulb itself was defective. And in their focused efforts to address the issue, the flight engineer attempted to remove the stubborn bulb but it stubbornly refused to budge. Amidst, amidst their collective struggle with the bulb and an unfortunate oversight occurred. Listen, no one, no one noticed that the airplane was gradually losing altitude, inching closer to the treacherous swamp beneath. Tragically, the plane collided with the unforgiving swamp resulting in the loss of numerous lives. 
reflecting on this heartbreaking incident, church, we are reminded of this profound truth. It was a plane that was filled with experienced pilots. And they're playing around with a bulb. And you know what the cost of this bulb was? Back then, 75 cents. And it cost people their lives. Trying to fix the bulb or trying to address the landing gear is a noble thing. But we just saw on the news about three weeks ago where a plane in distress where its landing gear did not come down and it would not come down and they made an emergency landed. And guess what? This plane landed safely. It got beat up and there were sparks everywhere and that plane is dust for a while, but they lived. I just want you to take what I just got done saying and I want you to think about what we just got done reading. Do you see the connection? I think you do. Sometimes we're playing around with these little things. And the big things is always going to be intimacy with Jesus, spending time with him. Because it's out of that that the Lord is going to give us instruction. Sure, there's things that we we know to do, but we still sit at the feet of Jesus and we say, Jesus, what's my next assignment? What do you got for me? You want me to wait? Some of you are good at waiting. You want me to wait? You want me to go. Brothers and sisters, the greatest news that has ever been given to us is when God, in his mercy, his kindness, sent us Jesus Christ. You see, each and every one of us are needy recipients of God's grace, especially before we know him or come to a saving faith, but even thereafter. But there would be many in this room who have never yet repented of your sins and placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And just for a moment, I want to address that. I want you to think about this God of the universe who sends Jesus to this earth. He willingly comes. And what was he doing? He was on a rescue mission. Metaphorically, this plane wasn't going to crash and die in the way that people thought it was going to happen. Jesus willingly goes to a cross. He's slaughtered for our sins. This perfect lamb of God goes to the cross. And what was he doing? He was taking your sins upon himself. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Because all of us are born with a terminal disease called sin. And sin separates us from a holy and a righteous God. And and the, the word of God says, by no means will he clear the guilty that everyone who has this disease and they do not have the blood of Jesus washing those sins away, they will die and spend an eternity in hell. But for those who recognize their sinful condition and they put their faith in, they repent and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he will save them, not because of their, because they're good, but because he's perfect. You see, God made a way when there was no way. So if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, my prayer is today would be that day where you say, today is the day where I repent and place my faith in Jesus Christ. He did die, and he rose again on the third day, defeating sin, defeating death, and that's who he is. 